0: Hello, hello, hello. This is Self-Discovery with Survivor Empower Life Coach Financial. I am your old Silesia. I'm a certified life coach and an accountant. I'm certified in the state of Connecticut to assist individual in an active domestic violence and or sexual abuse situation. I'm also a survivor of domestic violence myself. Self-Discovery is here to assist survivor in rediscovering themselves through my podcast with relevant topic where we discuss how why and solution so before we get started tonight i want you to get your notebook journal pencil and paper and i want you to write down what resonates with you as usual with all my podcasts these are survivors sharing their story so as you're listening to the story if it's too much please um exit you can always listen to another podcast but these are survivors sharing their story in whatever capacity they sh- want to share and the purpose of sharing their story is to help someone realize what situation they're in to realize how they got out their situation for you to get information to understand domestic violence look different for everyone and is different for everyone but we can always learn from each other as far as the tools and how we got out that situation so once again get your pencil pen notebook journal, write down, write, do everything you got to do, and here we go, I'm going to introduce my special guest tonight, Takara, and I'm going to make sure I pronounce it correct, I'm going to spell it, T-A-I-F-N-K-A-R-A, <laughs> I wanted to make sure, because I want to give her the most utmost, I've heard her story, and oh my goodness, this young lady, been through a lot, but her mindset is so positive, love it love it love it takara please
1: share with us peace and blessings everyone um thank you so much for that introduction um i really appreciate it um and just thank you for allowing me you know into your space into your energy at this time um i myself um consider myself a a healing conversationist um I I just, I feel that no matter what we have faced in this lifetime, it's never bigger than you, you know, your, 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 your trauma is never bigger than your person. It's never bigger than you. And if you can get to it, you have the power to get through it. And you have to fight to, to get your, your power back. And sometimes, um, we can have that. We can exude that energy and other people see that in you that don't have that. And they like to dim your light. Um, and that brings me into, you know, me telling my story and what I experienced. Um, I, um. Met my ex-husband when I was 16 years old. Um, he was six and a half years older than me. Um, that was a number one no-no. <laughs> um, and we were together um for about three and a half years before in before I saw any signs of abuse. Um I had my son, I was 18 turning 19 um, with him and we were set to create this beautiful life together. Um, and I I started noticing um, after a while that there were certain things in him. Like he wasn't the person that I thought he was when I first met him. And uh, At this point, I noticed that I was maturing a little faster than he was. Um, Chronologically, he was older than I was. But psychologically, he was light years (laughs) behind me. Mm -hmm. So um, the first time, you know, he had ever put his hands on me, my son was maybe two months old. And um, a situation happened where he you know, was with his friend and I don't know if he was drinking or whatever the situation, however it transpired. But I just know that he and I said a few words to each other. I was in the backseat with the baby and he gave his friend kind of like a cue. So his friend came around the car to get the baby out of the car and, um, basically take my son up to, um, my aunt's house where, you know, I, I was always there. Like Mm -hmm. if I wasn't working, I was at my aunt's house hanging out with my aunt and my grandma and my cousins. But, um, this particular, um, this particular moment as he was, you know, bringing the baby out, um, my ex-husband came around to my side of the car and he opened the door. And I was thinking, you know, that he was getting ready to help me out of the car. And it was foul, like just punched me in my face like I was a man. Now, at this time, I was like 162 pounds. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm 5'6", 162 compared to someone that's 6'7", 320 some, some odd pounds. And I will never forget that moment. And how that how it made me feel. It was like instantly I saw red, and <laughs> I didn't care how big he was. I just knew okay, it's let's go. So you know we we started fighting, and um, he got a hold of me inside of the car, and he drugged me out of the car uh, by my hair, mm. and I had about three bald spots <laughs> in my hair after this fight but I I could just remember like I was fighting for my life. Like I was so scared. Like he had me um, like pressed up against the car and like, there are literally like cars driving up and down the street, beeping the horns and, Mm -hmm. you know, his friend, instead of him trying to come and say, you know, what's wrong with you? He just held my son. Mm -hmm. And the next thing I know, my cousin comes running out of the house and she jumps on his back and he, she and I both are fighting them at the same time. And then a couple of minutes, a, 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 excuse me, a couple of seconds later, it seemed like this fight went on forever. A couple of seconds later, my little cousins at the time who were in elementary school, it was a few of them and all of their friends. And next thing you know, like, we're all fighting this this big old man. Mm. And um all i kept tasting was was blood <laughs> and it was like i was all, all, almost like losing my vision in my right eye like mm-hmm. we were fighting really 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 bad and um it just so happens that someone you know screamed you know i'm calling the police mm-hmm. and however that situation transpired i, I can't remember because it was a, in the heat of the moment where you know he jumped in a car and he pulled off and, we mm-hmm. were trying to like stop him because mm-hmm. it's like, listen, no, you're going to jail today, buddy. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, he had never put his hands on me before. Like I'd never, he had never even raised his voice to me before. So it's like, where did this come from? Mm-hmm. Um, And, you know, after, after that situation happened, like we didn't, we didn't speak for about a month or so, because for one, my family was looking for him, so. He was on the run. He was hiding. <laughs> um, you know, I come from one of those very tight close-knit families where it's like, uh-uh, we don't tolerate that. Thank God. So, um, you know, after me telling my story, you know, to my older cousins who came there ready, you know, locked and loaded and you know, ready to to make sure that I was okay, you know. Mm-hmm. One of my cousins said to me, "Like this one time, and this one time, and this one time only, should be enough. Mm-hmm. Do not ever allow for anyone to disrespect you in that manner." Mm-hmm. Well, I was young; <laughs> I was nineteen. He was in his twenties, and I was naive, and. I just wanted my family to, to work. So when we talked about a month later, he and I reconciled mm-hmm. and we ended up moving in with each other and, you know, just getting back on track to start our family. Um, that first time should have been the biggest red flag for me to say, baby girl, love yourself love yourself it was like I didn't I was you know still so I was at the time I didn't realize that I was suffering from postpartum depression Mm -hmm. and um I was very vulnerable I was just it, it was just I was it was a very emotional time where I should have been you know this happy you know loving mother but I was suffering in silence um fast forward a couple of months later um i found out that you know he was cheating on me mm. and um i found this out because um i went to the doctor's office and the embarrassment of you know being g- that i've been going to you know this doctor's office since i was old enough to you know to start yeah. getting my my womenly visits yeah you know for them to tell me that you know i had contracted a sexually yeah. transmitted disease mm-hmm. and i'm like what like i i didn't do it so where did it come from mm-hmm. and i remember you know he was at work and i called him on the phone and i said listen you need to get home you know we need to have a conversation I tried to remain as calm as possible, mm-hmm. but because inside I was I was furious, like I, I was fuming. I'm like, "Girl, what what are you doing?" Mm-hmm. And um, at this time, I think my son had just turned one years old, and um, he came in the house, and I told him, "I said, listen, you know, we need to have a conversation." And it was like he was just a totally different person. The per, Again, that person that I loved mm-hmm. for all of those years previously was not the same person standing before me. And he looked at me and he said, well, I don't know what you're talking about. And I said, well, it didn't just come from the air. And he was like, well, we'll talk about this later. And I said, no, we need to talk about it now. And he Disrespectfully turned his back on me as if I was no longer talking to him. Mm-hmm. I said okay. This was the first time I left. Um, so I went to go take a shower, mm-hmm. and while I was inside of the shower, I just felt my neck just jerk. Mm-hmm. He had come inside of the bathroom and snatched me by my hair. And he was, he started punching me in my face, dragging mm. me. He drug me outside naked. Like drug me by my hair outside where I'm, I'm naked. I have no clothes on. Um, like none. I'm, I'm literally in the shower and he's pulling me by my hair, just punching me, kicking me. Um, and you know, when I, finally was able to get a little bit of balance, you know, when we got outside, like cars were driving by beeping. Mm -hmm. Like he had, he had hit me so hard that it, 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 um, it burst my eardrum and my whole entire right side of my face was, was swollen. Like it was so bad to the point where I had to call out of work for a week. um I kept making excuses of not to see my parents because I didn't want them to see me like that mm-hmm. and um I had glass in my feet like my my arms were cut up my my um my uh my legs like it it was just it was really really bad, and that was um the first time that I left him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't talk to him for about a month. And um, when I finally, you know, talked to him again, mm-hmm. I said, okay, you know, it's it's about our son and that's it. Like there's there's nothing else for you and I to discuss, but, you know, being young and dumb and vulnerable, I allowed him back into my space. And things got worse from there. Yeah, each time, it's usually get worse. Yes, it got, things got worse from there. Like, um, we got into a fight, you know, because of him cheating again. And um, this time, we fell through the window on the porch fighting. And I have nine stitches on my eye.
0: Oh my God. And
1: it is by the grace of God that it didn't touch my temple. Mm-hmm. It didn't cut me literally in my eye. It's mm-hmm. it's it is I I, I wear that scar mm-hmm. above my eye, and it's a reminder of, baby girl, you went through it, mm-hmm. but you got through it. Yes, you did. Amen. And um again after that took him back (laughs) listen Um,
0: judgment here you know something only you know deep down inside what you were going through and only can answer that and it's not for anyone else to say how many times you had to go back in order to actually walk away completely that's yours
1: yes um by by this time like I was completely like withdrawn from my family and if I did you know come around it It things things took a turn from the for the worst when we got married Mm -hmm. um the first year of marriage was was great like it was like it was it was great Mm -hmm. it was great like we had a beautiful first year of marriage and it seems like when we hit that one year anniversary mark oh um Mr showed his his natural tail and um I'm like, what why is he so angry all of the time? you know, then I started seeing, okay, he's in over indulging in alcohol just to cope with whatever he has going on. Mm-hmm. and you know, me, I didn't come from that upbringing, you know, I didn't come from the same type of environment that he did, but um, it was like, During the marriage, you know, things got worse because it was, you know, he would tell me things like, you know, I own you, Mm. you know, and, you know, I bought you, I bought you, you know, for a 10, I don't, I I bought you for a $10 bag of crack is, is what he would tell me. Mm. And, um, he would, you know, he would just use little things to he would just use little things to try to manipulate me and you know he could tell me you know don't don't nobody love you you know your mom your mom don't love you your dad don't love you i'm all you got and if you leave me where are you gonna go and you know he used to tell me how he was going to kill me Mm -hmm. and how he was going to kill himself yeah yeah, and yeah. I found myself writing a letter to my mother, mm. and basically in that letter was instructions on how I would like for my son to be raised because this man used to sleep with <laughs> this man used to sleep with <laughs> with his gun, <sighs> with his gun. This man used to sleep with a gun under my pillow every night. Mm -hmm. And when he would come in, sometimes when he would come in, he would say, you know, I ought to to kill you tonight. Mm -hmm. I just really ought to kill you tonight. And he would say, you know, if you leave me, I I, I swear to God I'm going to find you and I'm going to kill you. I tried to leave before, and um, it kind of turned out looking like a movie, like on that one scene of what's love got to do with it yes when when Tina and her babies got on that bus, and I found them, yes, it, when I tell you, it was literally it was just like that. And he found me at the Greyhound bus station. How he found me, I do not know, but I was so scared. To get in that car, he had a gun to my back, mm. and he said, "He said I or he said I. He said I swear to God I ought to kill you right here in front of all these people."
0: Mm-mm. He was like,
1: "Call your mom and tell her to come get to come get the baby,
0: mm.
1: cause we both dying tonight."
0: Mm.
1: And I was so scared. <laughs> we got mm. back to the house, mm. and I tried to, like, stay outside as long as I could to say, okay, maybe, you know, whatever he's bugging out about, you know, he'll chill out, you know, it'll wear off, whatever the case may be. And, you know, at least if I'm outside, it can distract him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He was literally screaming my name from inside of the house for me to hurry up and get and and get my ass in the house. Mm. Because I act like I wasn't ready to die. Is what he would say. Mm -hmm. And he came outside. He opened the door. And he snatched me out of the car door. By my hair. Mm -hmm. And we were fighting. And he pulled a little wrestling move on me. To kind of have that vice grip in the back of my neck. Mm -hmm. And as soon as we got up the stairs. You know it was he started punching me in my face. Like, he spit in my face. He was, you know, kicking me. And at the time, I was pregnant. Mm. um, And I ended up miscarrying that baby. I mean, God knew best. You are about to
0: say that. God, <laughs> God, knew God, was. God knew what God was.
1: Listen, th- God knew, like, uh-uh. See, this is not what we're about to do. We're not about to do this.
0: Mm. And
1: it seems like we were fighting for Hours, like hours, it seems like we were fighting. And finally, he just called, he just started yelling and screaming and told me to call my mother and told tell my mother to come and get me. Mm -hmm. And while I was going over to the phone, Mm -hmm. he pulled the pistol out on me and he Mm -hmm. said, Call your mother. He said, I'm gonna let your mother hear you die. And I called my mother as he instructed, and I said, Mom, can you come get me? She said, No. Mm. For what? And she just heard him yelling in the background. And that really hurt me because after that moment, I I felt like I couldn't go to my family. I, I had nowhere to go. I had, it was just literally. I had to survive for my son and I, mm-hmm. and over the years, the fights got worse. I mean, it was like we were u f c fighters because mm. I was not one to okay, you hit me, no, I'm hitting you back like mm-hmm. there there's no i no 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 i'm I'm not and you know, I used to be so afraid to leave because, like I said, he had my mind mm-hmm. he knew how he knew how to use mind control over me. you mm-hmm. know, he threatened to to call c p s and tell them all type of lies about me mm-hmm. um and my son so that you know he could take my son away from me if I left him like it it was just it was it was it was crazy mm-hmm. um my final Final, 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 mm-hmm. final breaking point. Mm-hmm. It should have been before this, but. You know when the time is right. <laughs> he was getting ready to go to prison.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, we had gotten to like this really, really big fight because for one, he was, you know, he was cheating. He had outside children. That I didn't find out, out, I didn't find out about until after he and I had separated. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and a lot of the things that he was doing behind my back during our marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, just defiling the our marital bed. Like mm-hmm. it, it was just it was terrible. And um the last and final time, mm-hmm. My son was about, my son was four years old, four Mm -hmm. or five, and um, I had moved away from him. He found out where I lived, and he, like, literally kicked my front door down, and my son was in his room, you know, watching cartoons or whatever the case may be. I can't remember, Mm -hmm. but he, you know, he... He came into my house and he, before I could do anything, he punched me in my face.
0: Mm.
1: And at this time, you know, we start fighting. But it seemed like he was overpowering me. Mm -hmm. And he got me in my room. How, I don't quite remember. But I just remember him like... I was laying on the bed, and he had sat on, like, my stomach and my ribcage so I couldn't move. And he was just punching me, punching me in my ribs, punching me in my face, just punching me, punching me. Mm. And at this time, my son hears what's going on, so he had locked the, the my bedroom door. And mm. my son is banging on the door. He's screaming. He's hollering. He's crying. And you know, he's like, you know, daddy, leave my mom alone. Leave my mom. I'm gonna call I'm gonna call 911. I'm gonna call 911. I'm calling the police. I'm calling the police. And my son, you know, again, is at this time, I I could literally see his little fingers under the door, trying Mm -hmm. to to get in there to help his mama. Mm -hmm. He was kicking. He was punching. He was, you know, my baby was terrified. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that I could think of is like, okay, he going to kill me. Mm-hmm. He's he's going to kill me. He started choking me. Mm-hmm. And it was to the point I'm like, oh my God, like I'm, I'm losing. I, I can't breathe. Like this man is really going to kill me. So I picked up the remote control that was like laying on the, the, on the other side of the bed that I sleep on. Mm-hmm. And, When I grabbed it, when I tell you I tore his face up, that was all I knew how to do was to get him off of me. Mm -hmm. And I got up, I grabbed my son and and we ran. Mm -hmm. And he caught up to me. Mm -hmm. And as we were getting ready to run out the door, he Mm -hmm. had, he snatched my hair and I flew back and we were fighting. And at this time, you know, my my son, again, you know, my baby's screaming, crying, hollering at the top of his lungs. And we're just trying to get out the door. Mm-hmm. The only thing I knew to do was I'm like, okay, come on, Sakara, grab something. Like, this man is going to kill you in front of your son. Mm-hmm. I picked up the shovel.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If anyone knows anything about the wintertime in New York, you know, it's very, it's brutal. You need your shovel hmm and I just I just start smashing him in the face just to get him off of me and when I tell you I ran and I never looked back that was the that was the last time that he and I were together okay
0: mm-hmm.
1: fast forward um i to say fast forward about nine years later um there was an incident that had taken place. He had went to prison, he -hmm. came home, and he was angry with me because he said I left him. (laughs) And I'm like, well, you broke me down, you tore me down, you did everything in your power to to break who I was. He used to tell me, you know, I'm gonna break you down and build you up into what I want you to be. Mm -hmm. You know, this all of this this princess mess that you were raised with that's that's you get that out of your head mm-hmm. you know and he would say a, a woman was made was meant to be a, be under a man's feet mm. and that's how he was raised he was raised you know the male in his house ruled his house with a um an, an iron fist yes. mm-hmm. so it was you know she took beatings every day Mm. beatings every day i'll never forget the star that she showed me Mm -hmm. where she had to get i believe it was 27 stitches Mm -hmm. because of the buckle on the belt belt had cut her back open
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and this was all my ex-husband knew this is all he knew Mm -hmm. he know anything about love Mm -hmm. he didn't he didn't so it was like how can i expect a person to love me, that knows nothing about love. He doesn't even love himself. No, he doesn't. Fast forward, um, about nine years later, mm-hmm. um, I, uh, I was I was being nice, and I told him that you know he could come pick up my son. It was the day before Father's Day. Mm-hmm. The intentions were for him to pick my son up at the corner because mm-hmm. for so long. He didn't know. He didn't know where we lived mm-hmm. because of his behaviors and mm-hmm. because of the things that he had exhibited to me. You know, in the the last year prior, I'm like, no, uh, uh-uh. you want to see him? Either I drop him off to you, or you can pick him up around the corner or from the corner. I don't want you to know where I reside. Mm-hmm. Um, my son at the time, who's you know, he's he's a, he's A a young teenager at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, They come down to the house. My house. Mm -hmm. And. um, I come out of the shower. And he's sitting on my. My living room sofa. Mm. I had a problem with that. Because. Who let you in here? And how did you get here? And. The. Conversation I said, okay, I, I know where this is going to go so I went in my room, put my clothes on i I was already on defense mode because of the energy that he was exuding yeah. it, it was it was terrible mm-hmm. he was drunk, belligerent, mm-hmm. stupid I said, okay at this time you know i'm I'm much older i'm i'm not a I'm not a little girl anymore I'm not a baby anymore you know, I'm I'm a woman. I'm a woman who's been through a lot. I'm a woman who at this point has healed mm-hmm. from the things that you've done to me. Mm-hmm. And um, so during the conversation, I told him, you know, I understand you want to see your son. I said, if you want to take him with you, you can. And he said something and I said, oh boy, here we go. And he started saying some very inappropriate things in front of my son. Mm -hmm. And at this time, I'm like, okay, you know what? You got to go. I said, just go. Get get out. And he studied talking. And I'm just feeling myself getting more furious. And I'm like, okay, how can I get this man out of my house? So as he was getting ready to turn to leave, Mm -hmm. he said something to me. Mm -hmm. I said, Oh, okay. Whatever. Like I, I literally just ignored it because I I knew you you don't go there with people that are like that. Mm-hmm. So, as he was walking to my front door, he had um he had got on the porch, mm-hmm. and I was getting ready to lock the door, and he kind of kicked through the door back open again. And he just started, you know, talking mm-hmm. crazy, it's crazy. And I'm like, listen, you, you need to go. And the next thing I knew, wow, he had punched me in my face.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: And we were fighting. My son came out, and I think that all of the frustration and things that my son had held in mm-hmm. for his father over the years came out. It was like my son turned into the incredible hawk and um he slammed his father mm-hmm. and at this point in time you know it's okay we 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 going to whoop him up together so um <laughs> he got up and he hit my son mm. and when i saw a blood draw it's like oh okay now, 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 let's get it going. And we started fighting again. And at this point, he's reaching for something, and I, I know what he's reaching for.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I managed to get myself and my son away. And he chased me through the house. Um, if I don't went to my left to go and get my registered mm-hmm. <laughs> pistol, I yes. wouldn't have made it. Mm-hmm. So said I turned to the right which was the kitchen mm-hmm. and he he followed me mm-hmm. he had kicked me in my back and I fell and he and my son are still going at it and the only thing I knew to do was to defend us mm-hmm. and I picked up a knife mm-hmm. and I just went into a fit of rage. I stabbed him seventeen times. Okay. Breathe. <sighs> <laughs> Breathe. Breathe. Um. Thank God that I did not hit a main artery. hmm Thank God that he did not bleed out because he he was he was bleeding mm-hmm. like a pig. He I mean he was bleeding. Perfusely, mm-hmm. and um <laughs> I remember when the police came mm-hmm. before we called the police mm-hmm. my mother and my sister came over to that house my sister came over there with all her weapons of choice mm-hmm. because she thought he was still there she thought he was coming back mm-hmm. my son had called my mother mm-hmm. and when I say we bleached Mm-hmm. Oh, we bleached. <laughs> we bleached. <laughs> we cleaned up. Mm-hmm. And my mom is like, "Listen, when the police get here, if if they say anything, just know that you know we we have our attorney on retainer mm-hmm. because you were defending yourself.
0: Yes, you were,
1: and." <laughs> the officer that responded to the 911 call well before we even got to that point mm-hmm. um he and i were still fighting even after i said them and it was me him and my son we were fighting and i just remember we the fight spilled to outside mm-hmm. um, we were literally rolling down the hill of grass like fighting he wasn't letting go i wasn't letting go Mm. And you know him and my son are, are are squabbling, so it it was really bad. And you know when my son and I got up, um, I got a way to get up and kind of push him up towards the top of the hill where our house sat at, mm-hmm. um, in the driveway, just to you know check him and make, because like like I said, I'm I'm slinging that knife like it's nobody's business, mm-hmm. and I I thought I had hit my son. Mm -hmm. So I pull him, you know, pull him up, checking on him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the next thing I know, his dad is racing up the driveway Mm -hmm. and had us pent to the fence with his car.
0: Mm -hmm. Damn.
1: And (laughs) he had us pent to the fence with his car. And the only way for me to get him off of me, of us, Mm -hmm. was to, I was stabbing the tires Mm -hmm. he was still trying to hit me Mm -hmm. while he had us pinned up against the wall Mm -hmm. and that's where the other stab puncture wounds came from Mm. like you and you still going you 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 still at us and he pulled off and ended up crashing his car at the corner Mm. And I guess the drunken fool ran to -hmm. whatever location he got to, Mm -hmm. but it was, it was on the news. Mm. (laughs) Um, and like I said, you know, so I called my mother, um, well, my son called my mother, my mother and my sister came over and you know, Mm -hmm. my my mom is like, listen, you, you, you did what you had to do. The officer that they sent out was a blessing she herself was a domestic violence survivor Mm,
0: so she understood
1: she understood quite well and she said baby girl (laughs) just hope that whatever hospital he ends up in Mm -hmm. that he doesn't say anything i said no i said he's from the streets and you know there's a there's a rule like you don't you don't you don't tell the police anything mm-hmm. um so I didn't talk to him for maybe about six or seven months after that like he of course he was scared mm-hmm. to come <laughs> to come anywhere near me um and the next day after that incident had taken place, my father called me. Mm-hmm. Um, because there was a man who fit his age description and his um and kind of fit his description mm-hmm. um he had got murdered Ooh. he had got murdered across town mm-hmm. this in the same exact manner. It mm-hmm. was a domestic violence dispute, and the girlfriend. I mean, to see her pictures on the news, like, it was so heartbreaking. Like, Mm she was she was, like, brutally beaten. Mm. She had no other choice. Mm. And you could see where she was, like, missing chunks of hair Mm. Mm. off of her head. Mm. And it brought me back, and I was like, God, like, I, I did the work to get out of this, like, How, how, excuse me, how did this come back to me? Like, how, why was I in this situation again? There was a lesson that needed to be learned and -hmm. it wasn't my lesson. It was really more or less of his.
0: Yeah, that's part of the thing. People (laughs) realize leaving is not that easy if the person don't want to let go.
1: Right. And, and for many years, he did not want to let go. Mm -hmm. I mean, for many, many years, but that situation me showing him like, listen, I don't know. I'm not the little girl that you once knew. When you went to prison, I was 22 years old. I was a little girl. Mm -hmm. When you came home, I was a grown woman. Mm -hmm. I had gone through life, eight years of life without you. Mm -hmm. I had raised our son without you. I was able to walk through many trials and tribulations in this life. And make it out. Okay. Amen. And that and at this time, I was a two time cancer survivor. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. A two time cancer. So I'm like, cancer ain't killed me. You think I'm a I, you think I'm gonna let somebody else do it? Oh no.
0: Self preservation, the will to live and survive. Listen you, you got to do to survive. And audience, I'm not condoning violence, but that was her story and she yes. had what she had to survive yes goodness
1: yes and you know after that it was you know i had to redefine myself again like i had to because it was like i, I didn't understand like mm-hmm. what what was this like what did i do in life to deserve being mistreated like that, you know. And when he came home before this last incident took place, you know, he would tell me everything that he ever did to me. I deserved it, and he should have just killed me when he had the chance to. Okay,
0: it really is—it's it's psychological abuse. Oh yes, mental abuse. It, there is objective is to strip you down emotionally and get you at the point where you feel you're not worthy of anything.
1: Yes. Like my self esteem was, Stunk. I didn't I didn't have esteem of self. Mm-hmm. Like it was, I was broken. Yes, and a lot of that, you know, came from you know how they say sometimes you the men that you end up with is sometimes a reflection of the man that your father was. Yes, and yeah. we look for love in all of the wrong places. You know, my father for 30 years of my life was addicted to crack cocaine and alcohol. Mm-hmm. And the person that he said that he bought me for a $10 crack bag
0: mm-hmm. was
1: supposedly that's what he gave my father. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I was a piece, I was a uh, like a, a piece of meat. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, you know, and, and to try to break me down and, and just make me feel like I was nothing, like I was worthless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I knew that I deserved better than that. And it was like him going to prison. That was God saying, oh, baby girl, you are you free. You're free. Yes. You know, I and I used to pray like God just snatch me out of this snatch. Don't pull me snatch me up out of this. Yes. And when you snatch me up out of this, I promise you I ain't never going back. And I did not. Yeah,
0: physically free first and then mentally, emotionally free next. You got to be yes. physically free. And yes, got to allow that space by putting him in jail, allow you to build it to work on yourself. Because as I listened to you, you know, when you first met him, he was in the grooming stage. He was grooming you. Yes. He was grooming you. And that's why everything seemed nice. He was grooming you. You were young. Innocent, they like that. Young, innocent, and we're able to manipulate you. You had no kids. He wanted that connection. Usually when you give someone their first child, that connection to make that family work is a very strong tie. And you were vulnerable because you told them everything about yourself, about your family, your deepest fear, your deepest everything. So once you have gathered those information, those are the same tools he used against you in different ways. Yes, sabotage you what you have told him all your pain that you might have had towards anyone in your family and that's what he used those same pain that you trusted him with those deep dark inner thought that you trusted him with he used against you later after grooming you and setting the tone setting everything up and getting you pregnant was the the next level to put a whole a permanent in his mind, a permanent hold on you. Yes. Um. You know, is you can't blame yourself. You can't say what you've done wrong. Unfortunately, we do sometimes search for people and that the energy we give off, sometimes that the energy we attract and if we don't understand the energy we're giving off, We can't understand the energy we are attracting. Absolutely. And that man is a narcissist. He's a psychopath. He knew what he was doing. He knew when he found you, okay, she's the one I'm going to work on. were a challenge. If you were a fighter, you made it even more determined for him to break you because you weren't submissive. You Uh might be submissive mentally, but you weren't submissive physically. And right. therefore, you were a challenge to him. And he was determined to physically, because at least every time he come at you, was he can't, he got you mentally somewhat, but mm-hmm. he could not get you to go along with the program physically. You will always fight back. So even that, because he, he was from listening to, he was punching you like a man. Oh, yeah,
1: we were, he we, I'm telling you, we were, and I, and I thank God for having brothers. Yes. That taught me how to defend myself growing up because. Yes. It yeah it was and i started okay. gaining weight mm-hmm. to to be able to physically match him yes you you were fighting like a man because
0: he got you because he had you mentally psychologically that's why you coming back but when you came back you weren't submissive in the manner he wanted you to be and yeah. so he had to physically try to break you now because he got you part way but that
1: physical
0: determined that self-preservation to survive was still there. And long as that was still there, you were always going to be a challenge to him and thank God for your will to live, survive. And you advocate for yourself in so many different ways and audience keep in mind what you need to take away that it takes some time more than one go around to actually leave. And sometime in leaving, it's not about you leaving. It's about the person willing to let you go. right? And one question I want to ask you, did you ever go through um, order protection? Did you ever go to um, any domestic violence advocate agency? Did you ever went through any court system at all besides for towards the end when the cops came by? Were you in connection with any throughout that time? Have you ever dealt with any agency or any support system besides for your family?
1: No, and and the crazy thing is I didn't tell my family what I was going through until maybe about two or three years ago.
0: Okay, and why is that that you choose not to? Because A lot of people don't. What was your reason for choosing not to seek assistance outside um, and just try to do it yourself?
1: I think it was more or less... I think it was more or less like you know, you don't want to call the authorities on a black man, okay, because domestic violence, especially from where I come from, like it's 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 never in the the best interest of the victim.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It is you know i I've seen this story so many times from my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Of women who would get order protections, the different things like that. And they they're still coming. There's they they don't care. You know, mm-hmm. it was a young lady that was that was murdered, you know, by her children's father. Mm-hmm. And she had an active order of protection against him.
0: Okay. No faith in the system. And I, I, I can't disagree with you in so many different cases. Sometimes it works when you get an order of protection, you just have to, it's a it's a hit and miss. Because yeah. at the end of the day, unless they're tracking that individual, unless they're tracking that person is whereabout, yes. there's no guarantee. Because by the time he comes to your house, do whatever he's doing, intimidate you or whatever, by the time you call the cops and they come, if he's not there, he's not there. Right. You have to show he was here. You have to show proof that he was actually here. And they just right. missed it. for them to act on that order protection. Yeah. And- the sentence they get is so light. It's a warning. You go in jail for 10 days, two days, three days, whatever it is. Post a bail. Might be $100. They give them a thousand. You know, so they're right back on the street and even angrier. So Right.
1: Yeah. And and this is someone who was no stranger to, you know, the jail and court system.
0: So that wasn't the phase. It would just made him like, oh, no, you're trying to do this. So your reason you saw no benefit. And seeking outside assistance, so what about at least the advocate? Did you ever cross your mind to seek advocate even um or counseling no and and, and what was why was that? curious
1: I think because for for one, my faith in God was so strong. Mm-hmm. I just knew I just knew the only person that I confided in was his grandmother, mhm-. And she, God rest her soul. She helped me through so much because she had went through it. She went through it, through, you know, mm-hmm. with his grandfather. That that that's who raised him. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, some of the things she would she would tell me. And on her deathbed, mm-hmm. she told me. She said. Sakara, I'm not telling you to leave my grandson, but I'm telling you to live for you. She Thank said, God. "Don't don't be like me. Mm-hmm. With a man for over 60 years and you don't even know if he tr- truly love you or not, cuz mm-hmm. all he do is just knock you knock you around." Mm-hmm. And that that really sat with me for a very 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 Long time because mm-hmm. it was like after she transitioned over, mm-hmm. he became angrier, mm. and um, it was just a lot of brokenness. Wow. You know, he was broken, so he was trying to break me down.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He, wanted, he wanted to run the
0: house, you know. Um, the, from listening to you, it sounds like the role is father, grandfather who overrated him at the mail, how he got order in his house and how he was able to be head of household or control the household with through violence and that's what he learned in order to be the man of my house take control of my house and run my right. household this is how I do it and right. your grandmother stayed with him all these years so it's according to him it obviously work
1: right and that, and that's what it was Yeah, he was. You know, his grandfather used to tell him, like, "Listen, you want her? You want a woman to listen? You go. You gonna have to knock her upside the head. Yeah. You gonna have to tear her behind up, and and you and that's how you show that you the man and you run things. Yeah,
0: but you you were defiant. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) listen. I,
1: (laughs) I was gonna say, well, you ran into the right one, Jack. (laughs) <laughs>
0: you weren't. You weren't just. You know. You were defined and you were challenged in so many ways. So you had to keep coming back because you're like, oh no, she's not gonna break me. I'm gonna break her first. Yeah. And, you know. I. I'm so glad because there's so many different things people can get out of your story. You know. Um. People. Once again. Um. This can be traumatizing, triggering for some people, and I'm put a disclaimer at the beginning. But, you know, as you listen to to Kara's story. You can see how psychological damage can do to you and the physical aspect, even when you leave and the person track you down and find you, sometimes there's no other way out. Takara choose not to call the cops. Um, You know, how long ago was that? What you say about 10, 15 years ago?
1: Um, This was, what are we in, 2022? Yeah. This was 12 years ago.
0: Okay, so people think about this. Their last infinite was twelve years ago. So if you think about this, if things change, there's been a lot of law. Um, you know, the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence have been pushing. You know, with the Senate and the different Congress to push different law in to help women. Um, it's not perfect. We're still fighting, but you know, calling the cops will it work? Will it won't work? Only, you know, best, you know, your situation, but definitely the important things you can learn from it. Having a village count. Her village in the beginning was there for her.
1: Her yes. village
0: at the end was there for her. Your village yes. might get a little upset at you, but your village, will always be your village. And that's the most important thing. Now, what you share with them, I can't tell you, you know your village, but all I can tell you, if you're in a situation that's not looking good, try to build your network, your support system, whether it be coworkers, family, you need a variety of people. And if you can get outside counseling, outside advocates, um, the more people you have who are vested in you that you can share because between them and you put your heads together, You can come up with a plan. You can come up with a solution. You can come up with different ways to navigate through this whole entire thing. And there is no right and wrong way at how you get out as long as you get out safe. Because I to, to Kara, what she did was wrong. There's no wrong. She's here to talk about it. She's safe and God bless her. And God was looking on her. And that her fate brought her here. So this is what worked for her. Will it work for you? I don't know. I don't condone violence, violence, but I do condone self-preservation. Yes. <laughs> whatever that looked like for you. Yes. But definitely keep in mind, a support system is important. Or support system was his grandmother or siblings or cousin or mother. Even at that point, they might've said no, but in the end, they showed up. Yes, and absolutely. They, they show it up, and that's what you have to think about. We we get mad at each other. We go back and forth, and they gonna, They might get tired of you going back, but they're gonna be there because at the end, they 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 that's actual love.
1: Absolutely, that's and the only reason love. why my family was was not there during it is mm-hmm. because I didn't tell them what was going on. Yeah. I li- I just re- I just recently the last incident where you know I put those puncture wounds in him. Yeah. That was when that's when I just finally broke down and 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 told everybody what I was going through. Yeah. So thinking And about my it. mother go ahead. My mother didn't talk my mother didn't talk to me for a while. She, she was so upset with me. Yeah. She said, how could you have kept and I said, mommy, I kept it because I knew <laughs> mm-hmm. I knew that my son would never see his father again. Yeah, but
0: that the well, you have to make a decision. So people keep in mind, you know, as you include people in your circle, you know your family, you know mm-hmm. your user. No one on the outside can tell you different. You know all the players involved, you know yourself. Yeah. You can get help, but you take what people give you with a grain of salt and you take what pieces and apply it to where you see needed and fit. Um, obviously, um, therapy is important. If you can get it, some people are able to move on without therapy. Um, my thought is that therapy is good and it's never too late to get therapy. You can be in a situation 30 years ago and then 30 years later you get therapy. What do therapy look like for you? It all depends. It comes in different form. It comes mm-hmm. to medication, it comes with speaking to psychiatrists, a psychologist, counseling. Um, A variety of different ways you can get it, but definitely having a one-on-one session with somebody on a regular basis for a while, also putting your children in therapy can be beneficial because that child has witnessed trauma and that trauma yes. in their life can come out in different ways for them when they become older. It might not be visible now, but remember kids observe and do what they see unconsciously, they store the information and how to react to situations yeah. when they want their way. And so we have to be mindful that our children are not unconsciously picking up behavior that obviously won't come forth until they become an adult, until they're in certain situation where that behavior will be needed. As a child, you might not see it, Resonate as much, but maybe in an adult is when it come forth. So we have to be mindful that um it's never too late for therapy. What do therapy look like? We have so many different ways to get it. Um, meditation, faith, prayers. Um, you know your minister, your pastor, whatever it is. But definitely seek a neutral party to sit down and be able to share your story. Now, Takara, do you feel sharing your story helped you anyway tonight?
1: Do you feel? Oh, yes. Sure. Oh, yes. It 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 helped me to continue to be on that journey of healing. It helps me to look back and say, dang, like, like, damn, I really went through. I I went through that. Like, I was really at that point in life where I went through that. Yes. So. I, I, I pray Ooh. that my story inspires someone listening here tonight. I pray that my story opens up so many doors for men and women to be able to share their story and know, like, listen, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. You're not alone. There's always someone that you can go and talk to. And you're right, never alone. You're never alone. And, you know, when I talk about my story again, like it helps me to continue on my my path of healing. That's going to be a a a long a lifelong journey. We're always going. There's always going to be things in life that we're, we're going to have to heal from. And I choose to heal gracefully. Yes, graceful, I like the way you said that,
0: gracefully. (laughs)
1: Yes, I I, listen, because listen, listen, honey, I used to be a hot piping mess, okay? Like, (laughs) I used to be a hot mess, but the woman that stands before you today, I am so transparent. I am me unapologetically.
0: Thank God.
1: I am like, I am not afraid to tell my story. I'm not afraid to say where I came from. I'm no longer there, but I I came from that. I came from that. I've grown from that. And the woman that you see today Mm -hmm. is an amazing, fearless woman.
0: Yes. Because I made it out. Yes, you did. You're here to share it. And that's the most important thing. I tell people, we're not here to judge. We're here to learn, observe, and listen. Because you know something, the different things she's telling us, you know, um, the signs. You might have a cousin, a sister, a brother, because guys go through domestic violence, who are going through the same changes. What can you tell somebody that you would have wanted your sibling to do or somebody to pick up on. Is there anything looking back, not saying that, but where you are today, looking, reflecting, if there's something you want someone to be able to see, if their relative is going through the situation you're going through, what would you tell them that would be a good thing for them to do to help that person?
1: Um just pay attention to to your loved ones. Like I didn't for sometimes I didn't understand like why my mother didn't get what was going on with me. Mm-hmm. And I think because my mother and I were, my mother wasn't in tuned mm-hmm. with me. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you know, other people knew what was going on. They just didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when you see a family member, you know, suffering, like withdrawing, um, you know, when you do see them, it's like they're, obviously displaying signs of depression mm-hmm. or you know bouts of sadness and different things like that you know i would say family members don't pry mm-hmm. but just just be just be that open road of communication yes. because you never know you know like be don't be judgmental Just just be that open mode of communication because you never know you that one time that you decide to sit there and listen can save your, your loved one's life. I've seen I've seen so many instances where women and men are being taken up out of here because of situations like that. And then you got the family looking back saying, like, I seen the signs, but I didn't do anything. Yes. Thank so you. sometimes just just pay attention to what's not being said. Yes. Thank you. Because silence, silence is so very loud. Yes. yes. You have to open up your heart and mind in order to conceive that. Like, you you have to. Yes. Some, sometimes, you know, you have to be able to listen to the words that are unspoken.
0: Yes. Yes. And as a family member, don't judge. Because we often, as family member, if someone starts telling us something, we jump in. Well, if I were you, I would do this. Uh-huh. No, no, no. You're not them. You're not going to do this. You can't do that. You're not them. Uh-huh. Don't put that pressure on them that what you would supposedly do if you were them, because you're not them, you're not with him, you're not with her, you're not him, you're you. Listen without judgment, listen without too much negative facial expression and be careful how you circulate within the family. You know, sometimes we include, we have to be particular in which family member we choose to share.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Um, you know, unfortunately- family or family, but not every family understand the dynamic of domestic violence because you'd be surprised we, we and your family have been through that and to them is the norm. Yes. So you yes. Have to be mindful yourself and who you share and, and observe. And it's difficult to do that when you're in the midst of the storm because when you're in the midst of the storm everything is just chaotic. But yes if as a friend, as a relative, as a coworker, if you're close, let the person know that, you know something, I'm here if you ever need to walk. That's all, that's all you talk. That's all you ever need to, and just give them information, numbers where they can get in contact with various organizations to get assistance, because sometimes people like speaking to a stranger versus someone too close to home, because it is a personal thing. is very difficult sometimes to share. And, you know, with people close to you, especially if you're from a family, a fighter too, they just explain yeah. why are you dealing with this. And you're we're fighters. We don't do that. And that also put burden and stress on you. Takara, um, I definitely will want you back again. There's so much more to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, before we even wrap it up, I want to give people some information. Um, if anyone is going through a situation, you can always pass this number on. The national domestic violence outline number is one 800 799 7233 Safe. Once again, the National Domestic Violence Hotline is one 800 799 7233 SAFE. Um, and love is respect. The National Dating Abuse Helpline is 1866-331-9474. Once again, love is respect. The National Dating Abuse Helpline is 1866. 331-9474. Also Strong Heart Native Helpline, 1-844-762-8483. Once again, the Strong Heart Native Helpline, 1-844-762-8483. Rape Sexual Assault Service, Rain R-A-I-N-N, the Rape Abuse Incest National Network hotline again is 1 800 656 4673. Hope, once again, rain R A I N N, Acrament, Rape, Abuse, Incest National Network. That line is 1 800 656 4673. If you go on the National Domestic, um, National Coalition Against Domestic.org, they have um, a thing in there on your website by state. Every state have a coalition that can assist you. And within each coalition, they have a set of shelters, rape. They have a different services that can assist you. Um, you know, if you have someone in a situation or you're in the situation, go to the website and you can find what's in your location, in your area that can assist you and reach out to them. Also, when you're on their website, if someone is coming, they have an escape button that once you click that escape button, the person cannot go in there and track that you've been there. So, you know, that's something that's out there. It's available. Um, the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, the acronym is N-C-A-D-V.org. They have a coalition in every single state. And within those coalition, they have a... um particular services that's available from shelter to the sexual assault hotline to you know to different services that that they provide for you and these services are usually free and you know so check it out and this could be for yourself for friends or family co-workers just being equipped with certain tools to assist yourself or somebody and once again those websites are safe because once you go on there if someone is coming you need to press the exit button once you exit it takes you somewhere different so that a person cannot track that you were there okay um we're going to get ready to wrap it up um takara um it's been a pleasure um Thank a you. lot of lot of things went on um in your life and I'm so happy so happy that you're here to share with us tonight and uh, you know it took a lot to you know repeat everything again and to go through it I know for myself, when I tell my story, it's like I'm there again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it takes a toll on you mentally and emotionally, but once you start, you just want to get it out and everyone take whatever you can
1: take from this and move forward with it. So yes. be brave, go and be brave. You can do brave things. And if you are experiencing it, be brave and love yourself enough to say okay i'm not dealing with this because once it it, all it takes is one time Mm -hmm. one time and your life can be gone tell me about it tell me about it oh my god i thank you so much for having me it was it was a pleasure again thank you for allowing me into your energy and into your space and uh, you know, just providing this safe space, you know, and, and just being a safe haven. I I, I truly it, it's an honor to um to have been been a guest
0: with you this evening. It's my pleasure. Thank you. And we're gonna wrap it up tonight. We're gonna start out by saying remember self-love and self-care with positive affirmation is feeding one mind body, soul, and spirit. Remember, you are worthy of all good things that comes your way. And remember everyone, self-love start with just by how you feel about yourself. And throughout your life, in your childhood and adult, people are gonna say negative negative things about you and to you. And some might not be malicious. It might not be the intention to be malicious because it might be coming from a family member, but you always step back and realize God made you the way you look, who you are, and he did not make a mistake. And whatever higher being or higher power you believe in, you are here for a reason. And so therefore you're in a space where you are meant to be, you will occupy that space and let the world know you belong in that space and you will remain there until you're ready to walk away and go to another space. So um, with that being said, um, I drop a podcast every two weeks, a new episode. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. And on my Instagram, you can find me under selfs underscore transition life coach. Under Facebook, I'm under self ackerman S E L F. And that stands for survivor empower life coach financial. I'm on TikTok. And I'm on um, YouTube. I just started a YouTube channel. And my YouTube channel will be talking about self-advocate and self-preservation. We'll be talking about the different things we do in life to elevate upward, to bring our IR energy upward, and to spread that energy to help us move forward in life. So once again, everyone, thank you very much. And my website is com, And see you all. Have a nice night, everyone. Bye.